0: Support for my fellow Kansans and the following message comes from the Kansas Leadership Center, offering leadership development training in Wichita, Kansas City, and online. Use promo code MFK for a registration discount. Leadership for the common good. KansasLeadershipCenter.org.
1: Thank you very much. Greg Orman's concession speech in 2014, when he lost a race that many thought he might win, didn't sound much like a concession speech.
2: Hey, while Senator Roberts won tonight, we didn't lose. Uh, we we not only ran against Senator Roberts, we ran against the whole Washington establishment. Uh, I believe that what we did sparked a fuse uh, that will allow other independents in other states to step forward and say enough with the partisanship, enough with the fighting, enough with the gridlock, we need to go there and represent Americans, not one party or the other. Well,
1: it's 2018 and independent Greg Orman is not in Washington, he's in Kansas running for governor. I'm Jim McLean and this is My Fellow Kansans, a podcast from the Kansas News Service. In the first four episodes, we mapped Kansas's political DNA, recounted the summer of mercy abortion protests, documented the rise and fall of Sam Brownback and the splintering of the Kansas Republican Party, all the history that delivered us to this political moment. But starting with this episode, we're going to mix it up. We'll dive into the current campaign and get to know this year's candidates for governor. I was raised in a military family, so I was moving constantly. Yeah, I actually had a TV program for seven years called Grace United, the Rick and Penny show. I am running to be the lead representative of the average Kansas. Uh, I was
2: a consummate debate geek.
1: We'll get their backstories. We'll hear about their visions for Kansas, and of course I'll press them on the issues of the day. We'll start with Greg Orman.
2: And I said to my dad, you know, I might want to be a politician someday. And without missing a beat, he said, you know, why don't you skip the internship and go straight into crime?
1: Though so the polls show him in single digits, well behind Republican Chris Kobach and Democrat Laura Kelly, who are virtually tied, Orman is the wild card in the race, the X factor, a potential spoiler who probably can't win, but who could still determine the outcome who says, well, virtually everyone who watches politics for a living, or I hesitate to say it for fun, from political scientist to former Republican Governor Bill Graves. Uh, I don't see the scenario where an independent is going to be elected governor of the state. And former Democratic Governor Kathleen Sebelius, one of many nervous Laura Kelly supporters.
0: So one of the things a Democrat is gonna to have to do is not only run against the Republican, but make sure that people know voting for Greg Orman is throwing away your vote. It is Jill Stein in the presidential race. Or well, Ralph you, Nader. Or and Ralph LV, uh, Nader. Uh, um, we've Bush. seen these quixotic candidates before who believe they and only they can save the world. Um, I mean, Greg Orman could elect Chris Kobach governor. Uh, he cannot elect himself governor.
1: But, and this should come as no surprise, Orman doesn't see it that way. At least he didn't at the start of the campaign. He got into the race believing that the conventional wisdom about independent candidates was wrong, particularly at this moment in our political history.
2: I sort of think conventional wisdom needs to be thrown out of the window. And I mean, if if you look at the recent Gallup polling, 49% of Republicans and 52% of Democrats think we need a third party. Now think about the implications of that. These are people who are members of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party so dislike their own party that they think we need an alternative. But you
1: also have a very high percentage of Republicans who support President Trump who's not really a traditional Republican. That suggests there's some level of party loyalty regardless of uh, other exigencies.
2: Actually, I think what we're seeing in partisanship today is not necessarily loyalty to our own party so much as it is a hatred of the other party. Uh, and I think that's what our candidacy is about. We're, we, we're trying to appeal to a broad cross-section of Kansas Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. We want to give them an inspiring message and a vision for the future so that they can actually vote for a candidate they like instead of voting against a candidate that they hate and they fear. And I think that's what partisanship is giving people today.
1: And Orban isn't the only one arguing that the current system is broken. Rick Clues is also running as an independent he calls himself a frustrated Republican. Frustrated enough to have, with his wife and son, gathered the thousands of signatures necessary to get on the ballot. I'm here today as just, you know, your outsider guy. I've got a lot of money, uh, I don't know a lot of people, but I've got a heart for Kansas, and that's why I'm running for governor. Jeff Caldwell is also on the ballot as the nominee of the Libertarian Party. I am the only candidate
2: that brings four prongs to the table, cut spending, cut taxes, legalize cannabis, and defend the Second Amendment.
1: Both Caldwell and Clues will get some votes, but neither has a prayer of winning. That's why they were excluded from most of the candidate debates but Orman was on stage every time his resources and his credible run for the senate 4 years ago made him a legitimate contender in the minds of many so at the first really big debate of the campaign there he was, was flanked by Kobach and Kelly we're
2: on stage here at the Kansas State Fair so here to have our first opening statement will come from the
1: independent candidate
2: Greg Orman <laughs> Good morning. William Allen White, the famed Emporia Gazette editor, once said, when anything's going to happen in America, it happens first in Kansas. Kansas used to be a leader, a place that other states looked to for inspiration. Now we're a cautionary tale. We need to shake up Topeka and bring new leadership and new ideas if we want to create a state where our children and grandchildren are inspired to build their lives. This means throwing out failed partisan playbooks and embracing new ideas. I've spent my life in the private sector creating jobs and opportunities and building businesses. I know how to grow the Kansas economy, how to create good-paying jobs and broaden our tax base without raising taxes so we can invest in our future, so that every Kansas child has the chance to live their own version of the American dream. Thank you.
1: So, why does a guy who built several successful businesses that made a lot of money run for governor? and do it the hard way as an independent with no party infrastructure behind him. Well, between his 2014 Senate run and his campaign for governor, Orman wrote a book, A Declaration of Independence, explaining his ideology and motivation. Reading a little bit in your book, I-, I can't say that I've finished it, but I will. There,
2: there, there is a test at the end, <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: I have uh, I have delved into it a bit and, and read that your father was generally speaking disdainful of politicians. What yeah. was his phrase? Well, you know,
2: I, I had I had participated in the Boys Nation program. Right. I came home so excited after meeting Ronald Reagan in the Rose Garden, and I said to my dad, you know, I might want to be a politician someday, and. Uh, without missing a beat, he said, you know, why don't you skip the internship and go straight into crime? Uh, (laughs) So he he obviously, as a small business owner, he was somewhat disdainful, but he had a real message there. You know, what my dad really said to me was, look, if you run for public office someday, you should first go out and accomplish something with your life. Be in a position where you have some real experience to contribute, and, and hopefully put yourself in a position financially that losing an election won't upend your life. His concern was, you know politicians who for whom it's the best job they're ever going to have they're going to do anything to keep that job even if it means um, violating the trust with their constituents and you know my father was really big on making sure that yeah I knew that the two things most important in this life were health and integrity
1: what did your father do for a living?
2: My father uh, still owns and runs a furniture store in Stanley
1: Kansas. Your mother though Mm -hmm. was fairly active politically, at least a member of the Minnesota Democratic Party, the the Farm Labor Party right up there in Minnesota. Well, you know, my
2: my mother came by that honestly. My mother's father was Hubert Humphrey's uh, top person for 25 years. In fact, he held the Bible when Hubert Humphrey was inaugurated Vice President of the United States. Uh, She was a member of the Nurses Union and very much a Democrat.
1: How do you blend those two things together? Uh, is there a nexus point there between your mother's political experience and her beliefs and your father's? Well, you know,
2: it, maybe maybe I became an independent as a, a way of self-preservation, but I love and respect both my parents. and you know, I think it makes me more able to really understand the positions from both sides of the aisle. Uh, And I think that's part of what's missing in politics today. There seems to be such a trust gap between Republicans and Democrats. It, It reminds me, and I've said this before, of a married couple going through a bitter divorce. You know, they don't talk to each other anymore when they do they mistrust each other's intentions. And putting that group of people together and saying, solve our problems, is a little bit like taking that married couple and putting them in a room and saying, figure it out on your own. Uh, It's really not gonna happen without the intervention of a third force, a force that's willing to listen to both sides, maybe do a little bit of mediation, in some cases, maybe suggest solutions that neither side has thought of. But ultimately, I really do believe we need that third force in our politics.
1: Orman has run a serious campaign. He's put out a series of glossy issue papers that lay out plans for funding public education, growing the Kansas economy, and increasing government transparency. If elected, he says he'd hold regular town hall meetings and schedule weekly meetings with lawmakers, regardless of their party affiliation.
2: I want to make it clear that we want to return Kansas government to people. We want to make sure that they have an opportunity to participate in helping define the vision for where we want to have Kansas go, and I, I want them to feel like the governor's office is open and accessible to them.
1: You want to prohibit people who either are serving in elective office or in a position in your cabinet or anybody else's for that matter from them becoming a lobbyist for three years after they leave that job. Why is that important? You
2: know, it was something that I called for in 2014 in my Senate race. I really believe that, you know, public service should be about public service. It shouldn't be a stepping stone to a lucrative career lobbying your former colleagues or members of the administration on behalf of special interests. And so I just think creating that gap in time between your public service and when you can come back and act in the capacity of a lobbyist really is prudent and helps ensure that the government of Kansas is working uh, for the people of Kansas.
1: Based on his positions, it's clear that Orman is a moderate. Some might even call him a liberal. Medicaid expansion is kind of a dividing line issue. And Orman's for it, for extending CanCare coverage to another 150,000 Kansans, poor but able-bodied adults who now don't qualify for it.
2: We send our working poor in Kansas a terrible message. What we tell them is, if you get sick and you need health care, quit your job. And I don't think that's the kind of message that we want to send to them. You know, there's a donut hole between 38% of the poverty line and 138% of the poverty line. People aren't getting care in this state because they can't afford it. We need to drive down the cost of health care, and then we need to expand Medicaid so that we can not only... Provide services to those people, but underpin the critical access hospitals we have in the state that are so vital to rural Kansas.
1: Like all candidates wanting to remain viable in Kansas politics, Orman says he's all for the Second Amendment. But he also says the state went too far in easing restrictions on where people can and can't carry concealed weapons and he's against arming teachers.
2: You know, Again, I'm a gun owner and support the Second Amendment, but I don't think we make our kids uh, safer by arming teachers. My wife is a teacher, and the idea that we would arm teachers as a way to make them safer, I don't think is the right answer.
1: It took Orman a while to firm up his position on the ultimate dividing line issue of abortion. He stumbled a bit when asked about it during an interview with MSNBC's Chuck Todd early in the year.
2: Culture issues are going to be front and center with your opponents on abortion. What's your position? Well, you know, I, 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 I sort of uh, should, should be it. legal. Uh, uh, yes, it should be legal. But, but again, I, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not. I understand the, the points of view of people who are in the pro life community. My mother is very
1: pro life. I pressed him on the issue when we talked in August, just as the battle over Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation was beginning to heat up, and raising the possibility that Roe v. Wade Could be overturned. But should you become governor, uh, depending on what happens at the federal level, you may very well be dealing with a legislature that passes a bill to make abortion illegal in Kansas again if the Supreme Court allows states to do that again. Should that happen, what would you do?
2: I don't want to go back to a time Uh, when women had these procedures done in unsafe and unsanitary environments. So that wouldn't be something that I'd be supportive of. I think we've seen all sorts of evidence that suggests for places that have incredibly restrictive uh, laws in that regard, uh, that ultimately that's what ends up happening. And um, I think that's bad for women. I think that's bad for Kansas.
1: Orman is a polished candidate. In debates and forums, he holds his own. But he may have misread the political tea leaves. It's not 2014 anymore. That year, the Democrat dropped out of the Senate race, and the scenario captivated the national media, from the New York Times to PBS to CNN.
2: Suddenly, we're also watching Kansas. Uh, Pat Roberts survived a Tea Party challenge. Everybody thought at that point, okay, it's Kansas. It's a pro-Republican year. He's going to win. But the Democratic candidate dropped out of the race yesterday. Now, Greg Orman, the independent candidate, has a one-on-one shot at Pat Roberts, who has, uh, let's just say, not run a um, stellar campaign. Uh, I'm going to be extra kind this morning.
1: Democrats were rooting for Orman then. Now, some are hoping he'll drop out of the governor's race. race. Donald Trump's election as president in 2016, and all of the stuff that followed, well, it's deepened the already cavernous divisions in America, made voters more partisan, more committed to their tribes. There just aren't that many truly independent voters in play, says Beth Von Ami. She's the chair of the political science department at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and she studies the psychology of voters.
0: We generally talk about there being three types of independence, so there's your weak, partisans who, when you ask them, they say independent, but when you press them a little bit, they say, well, I'll, I really only vote Republican. I really only vote Democrat. That's a huge portion of people who actually identify as independent initially. Then there's your apolitical folks, people who are independent because they don't actually know anything about politics, care anything about politics. And then you have your true independence. And the reality is that's maybe 10 to 15 percent of uh, independence are really true independents. And these are people who can't decide between the Democrats and Republicans. They see either them as exactly the same, um, or they see the process of politics as so fundamentally corrupt and partisan, uh, sort of a Greg Orman approach that they can't abide with either of the two parties. Those are the independents we typically think about, but they're certainly not the majority.
1: By now, Orman may understand that he has no clear path to victory, but he says he's going to continue campaigning right through election day. That's a concern for Democrat Laura Kelly, but it's good news for Republican Chris Kobach. The debate nerd turned full throttle conservative.
2: He's the ACLU's worst nightmare, cause he knows the constitution and fights to keep them from making confetti of it. He's Chris Kobach, and this is The
0: Chris Kobach Show.
1: His story, next time, on My Fellow Kansans. My Fellow Kansans is a production of the Kansas News Service, a collaboration of public radio stations across the state. The podcast is written and reported by Jim McLean, edited by Amy Jeffries, and mixed by Matthew Long Middleton. The production team includes Beth Golay, Nadia Faux, Scott Cannon, and me, Grace Lotz. Primary color music composed our theme. This episode includes clips from MSNBC, CNN, and our favorite, C-SPAN. Special thanks to Neil Caruth of NPR and the NPR training team. If you liked this episode, subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at KS News Service.